Hello and welcome to MASH Mal, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, MASH. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, okay, so I think we've discussed this on the show a couple times before, maybe once before, but the original airing of MASH wasn't supposed to have a laugh track, but CBS kind of told the creators, no, you have to have a laugh track, it's the 1970s, this is a sitcom, of course can't laughter, please. So... There are DVD box sets without the laugh track included. And I think that you have the box set of the entire series without the laugh track. So I wanted to ask, have you watched any of MASH without the laugh track so far? And if you have, how is that? Uh, Okay, so I haven't watched it without the laugh track. I'm sorry. I'll circle back to this next week when I actually do. But (laughs) uh, today I watched the episode through the DVD box set. I knew that the laugh track was version was a version, but I didn't know how to get to it. I didn't figure it out till after I watched the episode. But uh, even still with the laugh track, the version in the DVD box set that I have is kind of different than the Hulu version. I think the Hulu version is uh, remastered to be widescreen and HD, and it plays slightly differently. Like you could like sound mixing is a little different. It was a pretty odd experience compared to how I've always seen the show, which is uh, these like HD streaming versions, which I think are like widescreen. Sometimes they just zoom it in and you're like, okay, here you go. Mm -hmm. But other times they like reformat the original film to show more than was intended. And I think that's how the widescreen in this show is. I don't think they zoom it in. I generally have a pretty good eye for that. I might be wrong, though. Um, But having it play out in this, like, ultra-grainy DVD quality where some of the, like, film is scratched and, like, has those little black splotches that, you know, pop Mm -hmm. up, it was, like, a weirdly different experience. I'm going to watch the next few episodes through this DVD box set, and I'll report back whenever there's something, like, noticeably different. That's really interesting. So I haven't watched MASH on the DVDs that I have because I only have um, season five and six. But I'm Mm. really curious to see if the DVDs that I have are also like that. So I guess I'll have to wait till five and six. But, you know, (laughs) I'm excited. I highly recommend that if you're interested in MASH, I got like the blue or the DVD box set with all 11 seasons plus the movie. For like 50 bucks on eBay, it was one of my better purchases. Great deal there because, you know, you get every season for like $4.30 if you (laughs) calculate it. I like the idea of watching it in kind of more of the original format of how it aired Mm -hmm. and without the retouches of streaming and HD and whatnot. So I'm really, really curious to to just see God intended. Okay, so speaking of this episode, this episode was titled For the Good of the Outfit. And after U.S. shelling targets a Korean village of civilians, Hawkeye and Trapper are really determined to kind of shed light on this really bad atrocity. But they kind of underestimate how much the military wants to keep the incident a secret and the lengths that the military is going to go to make sure that Hawkeye also stays quiet. So, Ethan... This episode was so intense. What did you think about it? This episode was intense. My goodness. I was so wrapped up in the actual plot of it. I did not take many notes. But this was 
like the most anti-military the show has ever been until now uh there was a lot of commentary they do not paint anyone in the u.s military like higher ranking officials in a good light very anti just propaganda and anti-korean war and i'm sure by extension at this point the vietnam war this was Kind of crazy to watch. I'm surprised that they were allowed to do this from like the broadcasting uh, standpoint, you know? Yeah, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but um, apparently they got massive blowback from this episode in particular. But I am not surprised. Yeah, I was, I was, I can't say that I completely forgot about this episode because I definitely didn't. There were pieces of it that I do remember from, you know, my many rewatches of MASH, but it was kind of shocking to see how really like anti-military they were. I can't even say anti-military, but like anti-military in a war sense. It was just, it was like really, really intense. And it was direct too. Yes. They didn't hold back at all. Yeah. There have been other ones where they uh like had commentary, but it was like obfuscated in humor and, you know, the kind of absurdity of the situation uh, like with Tuttle. Tuttle doesn't paint the U.S. military in a good light. They all got tricked by a fictional man that one guy made up and like <laughs> got severance for him. This, there was no jokes in the situation. It was just the U.S. military killed a village and then they're trying to cover it up. That was the plot of the episode. It was kind of, I don't know what the word is, but it was direct and it was intense and it was uncompromising as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into actually like the plot of the episode a little bit more. We first open up and we see this OR scene, which is not anything kind of out of the ordinary for MASH at this point. And they note in the OR that all of the patients that they're getting are uh, Korean civilians. Which they think is quite strange because I'm sure usually they have maybe some Korean civilians, um, some allied Korean soldiers in the mix. But to have so many patients to be Korean just civilians is kind of strange. So we come to find out that Hawkeye and Trapper are pulling um, U.S. shrapnel and shelling cases out of these civilians. So it's made quite clear very early on that this was U.S. military shells and a bombing offensive dropped on a Korean civilian town. And just the thought of that just gives me like chills, like heebie-jeebies almost. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very real thing. It happens a lot, I'm sure, like even in today's wars, you know. So it was... It was one of those things where I wasn't fully, I was paying attention because I do the show, but I wasn't fully like calculating the like plot, you know, as mm-hmm. it, it was happening. So I didn't quite realize the intensity of the situation when it first began. It wasn't until they started to like investigate and make sure that this was U.S. Uh, artillery that they were pulling out. Just again, not funny. There isn't a joke in this yeah. setup. This is just pure commentary this is such a harsh really intense episode and it's hard to really kind of navigate these feelings that i'm sure were supposed to be evoked from this episode right because you're not supposed to feel good about this episode even though it is a sitcom 
and it's kind of hard to find the right words for this. But Hawkeye, right off the bat, really is intent on finding out what happened. He wants an investigation. Um, This is kind of as, I don't know, like regular army as I feel Hawkeye has been throughout this point. Like he is very much going through the proper channels of trying to have an investigation started because it's very clear that U.S. military dropped bombs on these Korean civilians. And there was, I can't even say that there wasn't any humor in this episode because I did end up laughing so, so much throughout this episode, actually. But it was not in the context of the actual story. It was a lot of, like, funny one-liners. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. There's a there's some good lines in this episode, but this was, in terms of comedy, it was just all, like, character, how they speak rather mm-hmm. than, like, anything actually happening. Speaking of regular army, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I thought it was so interesting that when Hawkeye is bringing this to Henry and Henry is kind of, like, bristling and trying to, like, uh, shrug it off, be like, don't worry about this, don't get involved in it, you don't want to get involved with it, Hawkeye calls Henry regular army and it, like, sends a shock up Henry's spine. Like, he legit mm-hmm. tenses. It's like, hey! <laughs> That's what makes Henry, like, really kind of try to reprimand Hawkeye more than anything else. The the insinuation that he is regular army. Or, like, that was what, like, started it more than a lot of other things that they've done. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing that I also noticed. That Henry was super, like... He was also really trying to not ruffle any feathers here and trying to just kind of be that typical regular army type almost in this episode um, because Hawkeye and Trapper basically state their goal is to get the military to take full responsibility for the shelling and fully compensate the victims while they're in Henry's office in this first scene. And Henry says, basically, you don't want to do this. This is this is not a good idea. Going against the military and pointing out the fact that they did something wrong is not going to win you any favors here. And it was really interesting to see Henry kind of play these both sides in this episode of, you know, being Hawkeye and Trapper's friend and, you know, being a genuinely like good person and whatnot, and also knowing the extent to which the army and the U.S. government could probably cause a lot a lot of problems for hawkeye yeah and radar also kind of hints at that too at the end of this scene as well where he he makes a joke and he says that a colonel had done something like tipped off some kind of uh corruption in the military and now he was a private so right away you know that this probably isn't going to go the best for hawkeye if he pursues this but because hawkeye is you know, this genuinely good person and knows that this is wrong, he is going to pursue it anyway. This is kind of like tangential to what you were just talking about, but I just Mm -hmm. remembered with the comedy and kind of being driven from like the lines that they say, one line that I think Hawkeye says, or maybe Trapper, when they confirm that the uh, shrapnel is American, they say that it's as American as apple pie and napalm. Yes. And that yeah. is such a hardcore line. That's like awful. I was so taken aback by that one line. And it was funny. Like it was structured as a joke where you're mm-hmm. like, and then you're like, oh no. I like how they intertwined the commentary with some of the actual like 
humor in the episode as well. There, It wasn't just hard to vibe between dramatic dialogue and occasional jokes. They They did mix it in a little bit with these really dark lines like being as American as apple pie and napalm. Yeah, I thought that was... Um, I thought the humor in this was really interesting because as critical as it was of the U.S. military, I feel like they used the humor almost to cover it up. I have nothing really to back this up that this was or wasn't the case, but that's just always how it feels in these episodes that are super critical of war and, you know, military bureaucracy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that it's saying something but also haha remember we're just a sitcom we're just funny and i thought that the humor was just played really really well especially in this next coming scene which (laughs) was probably the highlight of the humor for me in this episode where frank hawkeye and trapper are all in the swamp and hawkeye and trapper are trying to get frank to sign the report for the investigation and frank just won't do it There's this really great character interaction here where they're ragging on Frank, but they're also trying to get him to do the right thing. (laughs) This bit where they're trying to get Frank to do the right thing, I thought was really funny. I liked his whole plot line in this episode that he is just like the worst man alive. But the second (laughs) that it becomes that doing the right thing might have been a benefit to them. He's like, oh, I want my (laughs) name on it. But with this scene... In particular, it was really funny that they were apologizing for everything they've ever done, like putting peanut butter in a stethoscope. <laughs> and I think this was a callback to one of the earlier episodes uh, saying putting ether in your aftershave. Oh, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. they did do that. So we love some <laughs> continuity in this house. And this is a continuity rich episode. <laughs> yeah, this was really funny. There was one like really funny physical comedy scene where Frank is like, you're doing obscene gestures behind my back and Hawkeye and Trapper are like, what gestures to try to get Frank to like make an obscene gesture? And it's very, very funny. I really liked mm-hmm. this part. But again, after the comedy of it is kind of over, they're telling Frank, you know, you were just as much operating on these Korean civilians as we were. Your name should be on this report too to, I guess, give it more legitimacy as well. And Frank is just like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, they're genuine. They're not trying to like trick him or be part of a scheme. They're like, hey, you're an authority figure here. Whether we like it or not, you should probably be on this report. And then that's brought up like later on when this report becomes like a bigger deal. Margaret is like, why didn't you let him sign it? And Hawkeye is genuinely kind of angry in that moment saying, let him sign it. We begged him to. Mm-hmm. And Frank and Margaret are both, like, kind of dumbfounded by it. Yeah, and Frank, I feel here, was just really the epitome of that regular army type. This is this is kind of brought up a lot in the whole grand scheme of the episode. This regular army type um, just kind of going with the flow of everything military-wise, not really wanting to be critical of things that the U.S. military does, turning a blind eye to such an injustice and the antithesis of why, you know, America was in the Korean War in general. And I thought it was a really good juxtaposition between what Hawkeye and Trapper were trying to do and this, you know, bureaucratic type of like traditional notions of, well, you can't go against the military. It's the military. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Later on in the episode, they bring in this uh, major named Major Stoner, 
who's like in charge of the investigation and at first he seems like he's doing the right thing he's being a good guy like helping them with uh their investigation and then it comes out the next day like in the newspapers that it was all you know korean enemy uh shrapnel that like hit this village and frank i think says like ah well that cleared it up it was korean obviously it's propaganda but he's just so willing to to go with like whatever the official story is that he doesn't question it and that is Mm -hmm. like a very recurring thing throughout the entire episode yeah absolutely and you brought up major stoner and i thought that he was such an interesting character because i didn't really trust him um at all and then it kind of turned so When Hawkeye sees that the military is trying to cover up this bombing that happened, we do find out that the U.S. military is going to rebuild this Korean village, but they're not taking any responsibility, and Hawkeye just won't have that. He's like, this happened, and we should all be very aware of it. So he calls up Stoner and says, what is this report in Stars and Stripes? Which, by the way, is a real military newspaper. Oh, cool. And... Stoner says, you know, I I didn't know about this. I'm definitely going to take this to the top, et cetera, et cetera. But you as the audience, and I feel like Hawkeye as the character, just think that this is lip service and that nothing's really going to happen. And then later on, we find out that Stoner was reassigned back to the States. So the guy who was actually like investigating this whole incident was just kind of put somewhere else so that he wasn't near it anymore. So I was kind of unsure. It was a little bit ambiguous of whether Stoner was this good character or this bad character. Yeah, this is my this is my favorite line of the episode uh, for when we do that. Uh, I guess this is it. Uh, that Hawkeye, after this phone call, says to Trapper and Radar that, you know, he doesn't believe Stoner at all. So he says... Uh, it turns out the major is Korea's number one distributor of crapola. And I was just like, <laughs> crapola, that's what my mom says. I love it. But uh, yeah, he doesn't buy it for a second. And then I guess it is kind of ambiguous that he was maybe trying to do something, but mm-hmm. maybe not to the degree that, you know, Hawkeye would have wanted, but that was enough to kind of send him away. I think he goes to Honolulu. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know... <laughs> Uh, of all the places to be banished to, essentially, why not go to Hon- Honolulu? <laughs> yeah, and this, you could tell that Hawkeye really didn't believe him because that's what spurs him to write the letter to his dad asking for this U.S. senator to get involved. Right, there's a lot of lot of webs in this one. Just a lot of interconnected, yeah. like, this happens. This ha- It's not just like, here's some jokes. There's a lot of plot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we find out later that Hawkeye's letter to his dad got intercepted and sent back to Henry. And I thought this scene where Hawkeye confronts Henry and says, I can't believe you did this. And Henry says, you know, it wasn't me. They're intercepting your mail because you won't let this go. I thought this was great acting from Alan Alda and McQueen Stevenson because they were they seemed like so genuinely pissed off at each other. And I just I really, really enjoyed this scene. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was super cool to see Hawkeye be very angry and Henry, again, trying to be this more regular army kind of guy, like following orders. And he knows that it's like not right, but he's got to do what he's got to do. 
And one of the one of the jokes that I liked in this uh, exchange is that like Henry's very obsessed with the fact that they're putting in like soft serve ice cream into this village <laughs> that the U.S. Army is rebuilding. I just thought that was such a specific and weird thing to be like. No, it's gonna be fun. They have soft serve ice cream now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, that was that. I again, I think that the humor in this was so well placed because it really softened this blow of this anti-military sentiment. Again, I can't even call it really anti-military sentiment. Anti-military wartime sentiment because I don't really mm-hmm. think the show was super anti-military saying, you know, we shouldn't have a military, et cetera, et cetera. But they were very much like anti-military war at this point. And also, I have to bring up the fact that this this blew me away. At the end of this scene between Hawkeye and Henry, Hawkeye is about to call General Clayton And he says to Henry, you know, I'm going over your head on this one. And that was so crazy to me because that was so out of character for Hawkeye to do. That's how you know that he was like genuinely so mad about this and wanted something to be done about it. Because, you know, going over Henry's head is not something new. Frank and Margaret do it literally all the time. But for Hawkeye to do it, that's just that was just crazy to me. He's doing what needs to be done. And I I really liked Hawkeye in this one. That he was always the good guy in the room, kind of knowing that, like, even if it's difficult, even if it gets him, like, Henry or Clayton, no, Clayton later on when he comes in says, like, oh, well, it could be a lot worse for you. It could, you could uh, be working in, like, first aid on the front front lines or something like that. And Hawkeye is just like, whatever, like, you can't threaten me. I I know what needs to be done. So... Mm -hmm pretty cool good episode good characterization yeah and this scene right after this with clayton because clayton is already on his way there and he says he's there because he's getting pressured from the top to do something about hawkeye and shut him up basically and clayton himself i don't really think is the bad guy in this scene he's kind of just passing along this message that you know if you don't stop they could literally ruin your life after you get out of the army because he says you're not regular army you were a civilian drafted into this war and when you try to go back and be a civilian the military the government has a lot of pull of really long arms he says and they could probably ruin hawkeye's life for the most part and just like blackball him etc and i can't help but feel that that was probably really genuinely true for the time period as well yeah of you speak out against the U.S. military in any way and paint them as anything other than being really heroic and point out, you know, the flaws of war, sometimes considered necessary flaws. But regardless, the flaws of the U.S. military, you're gonna get in trouble. (laughs) There is no denying that in this period of time, you're getting in trouble. It's kind of surprising they don't bring up McCarthy in this one. I'm not sure how relevant he actually was in that time period. But, you know, that that man famously, like, ruined a lot of people's lives who didn't deserve it for kind of speaking out against uh, various things that, like, the government was doing. Yeah, this was, like, when MASH was supposed to be set was kind of at, like, the height of McCarthyism. And so, yeah, I think that that was, I don't know, again, I don't have any data to show that that was kind of an intentional throwback to McCarthyism, but for sure, that was definitely 
a dig, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they, they play it very well, because you're right. It doesn't come across like Clayton himself is the bad guy here. There are people above him, and I think that does make the difference, because Clayton's, like, I think never depicted to be the best guy. He's mm-hmm. actively sleeping with Margaret, stuff like this. <laughs> but he's not a bad guy. So it right. was, you know, they did a good job of making sure, like, our characters are kind of on that ambiguous line of mm-hmm. nobody's, like, pure evil. It's all a complicated situation. I thought that it was really interesting also how this scene, how this whole conflict kind of wrapped up because right after Clayton tells Hawkeye, listen, you know, you're you're getting threatened, basically. You have to cool it. Frank and Margaret walk in with even more evidence um, that this was American artillery and the medical reports from all the Korean civilians that they treated because, of course, Frank wants the recognition because he is so in the dark and stupid that he thinks that this is going to like this is like some really crazy thing that is not going to get anybody in trouble because he's so freaking out of touch and stupid. But well, we heard Stoner like praising Hawkeye when he was trying to get Hawkeye off his back. So like since then he's like, "Oh, this is a good thing." Uh I loved how oblivious Frank and Margaret were <laughs> that they were like uh they're going against the army and not even realizing it because they're yeah. so entrenched in that culture. It was like a really funny way to wrap up this like otherwise pretty dark and critical episode. That's so interesting, too, that you mentioned that Frank and Margaret heard Stoner tell Hawkeye that there might be, you know, commendations in this whole thing for him, because I feel like that also goes to the ambiguity of his character of you interpret it as him trying to get Hawkeye off of his back. I could definitely see how you can interpret it as him being genuine and saying, wow, this is a problem. We have to investigate this and being sent stateside because of it. But to go back to General Clayton, I I feel like it was left a little bit ambiguous, but also kind of resolved with like a pretty little bow on it because they were super critical of the military in this episode that they had to kind of paint the military in like an okay-ish light at the end because Clayton says something along the lines of, well, even the army has to take its lumps and implying that there's something going to be done about it. That the military is going to take responsibility for this tragedy that happened but i i wasn't sure it was it was kind of like kind of happened really quickly and then clayton left he was like all right bye (laughs) yeah the ending i think really you know it's a sitcom they have to tie it together they have to end it with a joke so it is you know probably a bit ambiguous as to whether or not they would actually do anything but as far as the episode's concerned hawkeye has won clayton is going to maybe try to do something and that's you know what matters here and i thought the the last scene about hawkeye receiving a letter from his uh from his father was like kind of super dark as well where the uh senator that they wanted to contact turned out was like super corrupt and like not a friendly guy at all it was so like a weird note to end this on yeah, I thought it was really interesting, honestly, because like we said before, Hawkeye wrote to his father to have his senator friend get involved with kind of exposing this story. And then the senator was just 
a corrupt guy and had been indicted on like corruption charges. It was it was very strange. I wasn't really sure what they were doing with that. But, you know, it was kind of funny because his dad says to him in the letter, you know, I, I regret stuffing the ballot box for him. And I thought that that was very funny and <laughs> triggering because it was kind of timely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, it was such a weird note to end it on, but it was funny, so, like, whatever, man. Some people are corrupt, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, it's true. I already said my favorite line of the episode, but do you have a favorite line? So, I have, (laughs) I have a couple. (laughs) In the very beginning, Frank is bitching in the OR scene, and he wants quiet, because for some reason, Frank just always wants quiet in the OR, I don't know why. And so. So Trapper says, will someone please turn down the war for Frank? And I thought that that was really funny. And then probably one of my favorite lines in all of MASH, when I said before that I remember bits and pieces of this episode, this is actually one of the bits I remember when Hawkeye and Trapper and Frank are all (laughs) in the swamp and they're calling a truce and they start apologizing for all the things that they did to Frank. Frank even says, oh, are you apologizing for signing my picture of my mother? And it's and he reads out what they signed. And he says, dear Frank, dad was not your father. Love, mom. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's a really good thing. <laughs> that was my, I had to pause the episode because I was laughing so hard. That's probably one of my favorite lines of MASH in general. <laughs> this wasn't a comedy line, but uh, last episode you mentioned that the Korean War wasn't called the Korean War for the longest time. It was called a police action. And Mm -hmm. this episode, they actually do clarify that they are still in the police action stage of the the war. And I I just kind of like jumped at that. I was like, oh, Vanessa was right. We're in that time period. Like (laughs) it, it made me, I like noted that down. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna do a little bit more research on this, but I think it wasn't until after the Korean War that it was considered a war and not a police oh, really? action, but I could I could be wrong on that. I'm definitely going to fact check myself on that one. Okay. But speaking of facts, <laughs> I don't have a ton of trivia in the sense that we usually keep trivia kind of lighthearted. Um, I do have a lot of kind of historical context for this piece and this episode. So first off, the village that they were supposed to have bombed in this episode was called Taedong. And that is actually a river in North Korea. So I thought that that was kind of like a cool like piecing together of Korean geography with, you know, the reality of the show. So we know that MASH was kind of a commentary on the Vietnam War, more so even than in the Korean War. But during the Korean War, there were a lot of these same issues as there was in Vietnam. And it's interesting that you say that that you just brought up the forgotten war and the police action and stuff, because I feel like so much of it is forgotten in the Korean War, unfortunately. So in 2005, the South Korean government uh, implemented this commission called the South Korean Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which investigated human rights violations in Korea, including during the Korean War. And this commission received over 200 petitions for reparations alleging the killings of South Korean civilians by the U.S. military during the war through mostly airstrikes like we saw in this episode. So that is pretty horrific. So kind of in the context for this episode in this show, you know, at this point, the Vietnam War was kind of winding down, um, but there was still tons of controversy surrounding the war itself. And 
I can't back this up entirely, but just through my research, that it's likely by the time this was being written and filmed, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the U.S. involvement in Cambodia, um, which was an extension of the Vietnam War. There was a bombing in the summer of 1973. This episode aired in October of 1973. And the number of civilian casualties was reported to be very small originally, but there were actually 137 civilians killed and 268 wounded as a result of the incident. And even if this wasn't the exact or the direct influence on this episode, there was still a lot of ongoing public outrage about the civilian casualties caused by the U.S. military in the Vietnam War. And... I just thought that in historical context for this episode to come out as hard as it did was very, very crazy almost that it was allowed to be aired. No, I, I 100% agree. Uh, this episode, I am, I'm surprised that it exists and uh, I'm, I'm glad it does. This was a good episode and I thought the commentary was kind of well done. And it's it's kind of crazy that you say that this reparation bill uh, for airstrikes happened in 2005. And this is an episode commenting on that in the 70s. Like, that's wild to me. It's unfortunate how dark and how, like, realistic to a degree this episode is. But yeah, I'm glad that they have the, like, guts to, to tell these kind of stories, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I really I appreciate this encapsulation of history and this media commentary. You know, it's something that I feel like we should all know about and we should all really appreciate. And that's why I love MASH as a younger person, because it gives that that historical context. And it's kind of almost timeless in that sense. And again, really unfortunate, but it's it's really good to know about, I think. So shifting gears to something a little lighter, I hear you have trivia for one of the actors in this episode. Yeah, so actually Major Stoner was played by an actor, Frank Arletter, and he actually also served in the U.S. Army during World War II in Germany. And he started his acting career in theater. He had many guest appearances in TV shows like The Twilight Zone, All in the Family, and actually Golden Girls too, which we love. Nice, um, nice. <laughs> And he was elected vice president of the Screen Actors Guild in 1987. So I thought that that was really cool and a little bit more lighthearted than the historical context of the Korean and Vietnam War. <laughs> That's rad. We love a, a SAG vice president. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's super cool. Uh, so I know this is kind of silly for this episode uh, being so serious, but... Out of five martinis, what would you give this episode? To me, this episode is definitely like a 4.5 out of five martinis because the humor was really good in it. Just the whole storyline was really hard hitting. And this was, you had said it before, but this is kind of an episode with my name just written all over it because this is the kind of mash that I just really, really enjoy. Yeah, uh, this is definitely a real, you know, elite list episode where if you're trying to describe the show... And like pitch it as this like commentary, but also comedy. This is one that you would use. So I think that yeah, I would go sure. a little bit higher. I think I'm going to give this a straight five out of five. I honestly Damn. don't know what this episode could have done to be like better. I think this does mm -hmm. what it wants to do pretty much as well as you can do under the yeah. circumstances of being a broadcast television sitcom. So yeah, 
Five out of five. I am just, you know, drunk off these martinis, having a good time. <laughs> Every time we do ratings, I feel like I also have to rise to your level and give it a <laughs> higher star. Ha- I'm sorry. I have to rise to your level and give it higher martinis. So I'm going to match you in this drinking game that we have and also give it five <laughs> martinis because you're right. I don't think that it could have done anything better. It's true. The humor was great. The commentary was great. Five martinis. We're straight up wasted. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. Next week, you can join Ethan and I for our discussion of Dr. Pierce and Mr. Hyde. But until then, put peanut butter in your roommate's stethoscope. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. <laughs>